0: Hello, welcome to today's podcast discussing FireEye's latest EMEA Advanced Threat Report. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. Joining me on today's podcast are two senior individuals from our EMEA team, Yogi Chandramani, our Senior Director for Sales Engineering in EMEA, and Jens Monrad, our International Threat Intelligence Liaison. Yogi, Jens, could you help us begin by summarizing two or three points or findings from the research contained within the EMEA Advanced Threat Report that you wanted to highlight?
1: Definitely, Josh, and thank you very much for having us on this podcast. You know, the the first thing which I wanted to highlight is that, you know, for the very first time, while we've been doing this research already for a couple of years, it has become very, very clear that the cyber attacks are a mirror of real events uh, that are happening in the world. And I'm going to illustrate this, you know, with, uh, with a couple of observations that we've made in the real world and in the cyber world as well. Uh, the first one is that in the second half of 2015, we observed an escalation of geopolitical tensions in Turkey. And this resulted as well, based on the research we did, that Turkey was the most targeted country uh, with, uh, with cyber threats. Um, additionally, we also saw a lot of financial tensions in Europe, you know, on the different stock markets that have been happening. And uh, what we observed as well in the cyberspace is that the financial services industry was uh, quite impacted by cyber threats, specifically into, into Europe, Middle East and Africa. And then, you know, the second example, which, uh, you know, I just wanted to give is that, you know, we've seen the rise of cyber criminal type of threats. And I'll pass this on, uh, you know, to, to Jens, who's done actually quite a bit of research on the ransomware and uh, some of the trends that we've been able to observe, you know, based on the research.
2: Yeah. So uh, thank you, just for having us. And I, I want to um, add a bit of a, a color to, to uh, especially uh, some of the industries that we have been seeing. Uh, targeted more in the second half of 2015. And um, I think um, one of the uh, key points here is that we are seeing that when some industries are either becoming more mature in terms of uh, securing their infrastructure or uh, implementing uh, security programs, uh, cyber criminal activities tend to move to other industries. And this was uh, something uh, that we saw a significant uh, rise in uh, point of sale Uh, Malware uh, targeting uh, various industries uh, compared to first half of uh, 2015. and The other thing is that there also seems to be a change in the mindset of the cyber criminals. Uh, We we typically saw um, cyber criminals use um, legitimate tools uh, and macros in in the way of driving uh, information stealing malware towards their victims. But in the second half of 2015, we've seen an increase of ransomware uh, compared to uh, macro-driven malware that we saw in the first half of 2015. And this suggests that cyber criminals have figured out a way to monetize the victims uh, more uh, quickly than they were by using uh, information-stealing malware uh, driven by macros, for example.
1: And I think, Jens, it's actually working pretty well, right? I mean, uh, the data that, that we were able to highlight in the report, we see a real explosion of the number of ransomware. And, you know, I think this has been very much made, uh, been publicized in the press as well, considerably in uh, the second half of 2015.
2: Yeah, that's correct. And and I think, um, I mean, in 2015, we saw close to 30 different types of ransomware families. And uh, I think in the first quarter of 2016, we've seen close to the same amount that we saw for the entire 2015. So so I think this also suggests that someone, when they're getting compromised, they are exploring the opportunity of actually paying uh, the cyber criminals to get access to their data. And this has uh, turned out to be a very uh, quick way for cyber criminals to uh, get financial funding compared to the, dare I say, the traditional method where they would compromise victims, harvest the sensitive information, and then try and monetize that information afterwards. So from a cyber criminal perspective, it's, it's a lot easier to compromise a computer or an organization and then encrypt the data and demand some sort of ransom for it um, I think also uh, with the uh, increase of ransomware families that we saw in 2015, it also um, uh, suggests that uh, the development uh, life cycle of ransomware is uh, becoming very short because cyber criminals are finding it it is a very lucrative way of uh, getting uh, funds out of victims. So therefore, they also spend more time into developing New evasion techniques and uh, more sophisticated uh, measurement against uh, security uh, and, uh, and prevention technologies.
0: Thank you both. Uh, very interesting answers. I think uh, sometimes we tend to forget uh, those of us that have worked in the security field for quite a while, such as the three of us. We tend to forget that um, you know the the cyber world, so to speak, and the physical world are often more uh, intertwined than we might realize. Uh, For example, both of you discussed the idea of attackers going where the money is, be it by ransomware or be it by point of sale malware. Um, You know, real world money creates motivation for a cyber or or a a network based attack. And that is something uh, that I think many people may not realize, although I suspect that um, quite a few people are beginning to see that connection as well. And and I know, Yogi, you also mentioned uh, the correlation between geopolitical tensions. Um, And then, of course, increased attack activity against certain nations involved in that activity. And I think also that's a very clear illustration of how intertwined and interconnected the two worlds are. So definitely very interesting material. So I noticed when I looked at the report, when I read through the report myself, um, government, financial services, energy, telecommunications, and aerospace were the five most target verticals in EMEA. Why do you suppose that is?
1: Yeah, that, that's a very good question. And, you know, we've been doing uh, this report, Jens and I, already for a couple of years, and we've been following, you know, different trends. And interestingly, these sectors have constantly been, if you will, the the largest vertical sectors that have been targeted by advanced targeted threats. And, you know, my take on this, and I will let Jens as well add a bit of color onto this, is these vertical these sectors in Europe in Middle East and Africa are really Uh, the crown jewels, if you will, of our businesses. You know, if you look at the aerospace defense contractors, there is, of course, a very, very large industry for protecting, you know, the different countries and the citizens of those countries that is put in place. And there's a lot of knowledge a lot of know-how. Additionally, as well, you know, the government's are working through a lot of different legislation, are collaborating extensively, specifically in the EU, if you will, uh, which actually attracts a lot of uh, cyber threat actors, if you will, to get access to this type of information, for example, and many other reasons. And then, you know, if you look at the financial services as well, you know, it is not a secret that London City, uh, that Frankfurt, and, uh, you know, also uh, Paris, you know, really key financial cities, you know, around around the, the region. Therefore, you know, this is where the money is going. But what is really interesting as well, in the second half of 2015, we started to see a bit of a shift, if you will, in the volume of the threats. Well, it's been pretty much stable between the first half and the second half. There was actually one big difference that occurred, which goes back to one of the points you, you highlighted a bit earlier, which is the threat actors are going where the money is. And we basically saw in the second half in 2015 that the financial services industry was much more targeted in the second half than in the first half. And um, so definitely, you know, cyber is being leveraged for financial gain, for financial means. And, you know, we, we did observe that as well into the research. Jens, any, any additional comments, any additional color you would like to add to those? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah I, I would say that um, when we look at the targeted threats and the uh, typically what we uh, what, call advanced persistent threat actors or more organized uh, financial motivated groups, um, Typically, what we have also seen in 2015 is that um, for the advanced persistent threat groups, uh, they have been primarily focusing on two uh, key uh, things, and that also explains, I, I think, just your question on the industries is that there is a, a, a geopolitical uh, situation in uh, happening in in uh, in, in Europe and, and Middle East, and essentially around uh, Turkey, uh, where there is uh, a motivation to obtain information um, that can either uh, enrich a certain nation uh, in in terms of information, or it could be to conduct uh, uh, the classical espionage against a a specific uh, uh, nation in order to plan uh, potential military operations. For the more organized financial-motivated groups, um, we definitely see that they are starting to target financial institutions, and that could also be uh, because we are seeing um, associated industries with financial institutions are becoming better at uh, detecting and responding to threats. So now there is a higher motivation to actually target the financial institution uh, directly uh, compared to using uh, uh, sub-industries as a supply chain attack.
0: Yeah, those are interesting points uh, from both of you. Thank you. I think particularly interesting to me is the fact that it's always difficult to know when there's an uptick in attacks or detection of attacks, if that's the result of um, more attacks or better detection or both. And I think that, uh, you know, that's an interesting point. I think as organizations in other verticals begin to mature, continue to mature their security capabilities, I suspect that we'll see detection rates or the number of incidents in those sectors begin to climb as well. Um, I think that the five sectors we've discussed are are traditionally the most mature in terms of uh, security posture, and so I think that probably uh, relates to it. So attackers obviously don't stand still. They don't use the same tools, techniques, and procedures over and over again. Um, What trends or changes in attacker behavior do you see emerging, um, particularly those that were discussed in the report?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good point. You know, that there is one uh, specific example which I would like to highlight. It's, uh, it's a malware family name that, you know, we observe, which is called ScanBox. Besides the, the interesting name, I think what is really important to note is, you know, what is the objective of this type of uh, uh, malware, of this type of compromise? You know, traditionally we've seen malware trying to uh, gain access to Uh, intellectual property to gain access to money, right, with financial gains, uh, just gain access to intel. And what Scanbox does, it actually is profiling their victims. And we start to see a high level of sophistication, if you will, of threat actors in using the tactics and the tools in the sense that, you know, it is not straight away to go and gain access to information or gain to the financial gain, but it's more to better understand the victim, better understand the behavior of their web web surfing habits, for instance, and, you know, how do they interact with the different contacts, et cetera. And by building up some intelligence about the victims in order to better Potentially compromise them, or in order to, you know, better leverage, if you will, additional malware that is going to be sent across. So, so we are starting to see a shift, if you will, in terms of the trend uh, from uh, from those threat actors. And you know, the other one that that comes to which I think is really important is again, you know, with the rise of uh, ransomware, we do see that the threats now are much more disruptive and are really trying to destroy. Uh, in exchange, in the case of ransomware, of of, uh, financial gain, are really trying to destroy systems. And I think, you know, that is also a different trend that is coming, if you will, into the security space, which really requires now to to take into account these new threats and to ensure that um, all the different systems are well protected and those type of threats can be detected very quickly. Otherwise, the impact is going to be much, much larger than expected. Jens, uh, yeah, so anything from your side that you could think of?
2: Yeah, I, I would say that uh, at least, and, and that's probably one of my uh, my predictions uh, for the future threat landscape is that we will see um, both uh, nation states but also more organized uh, cyber criminals use legitimate tools like we saw with Scanbox and we also published a report uh, on a similar incident we which we call Witchcoven. Coven. But the, the idea is that Threat actors will pursue to use legitimate tools because uh, by using legitimate tools, they can potentially bypass uh, prevention uh, that are put in place in, 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 uh, in various organizations. So um, I think for the future, organizations need to have uh, much more uh, capacity when it comes to intelligence and uh, having the right uh, set of threat intelligence will also help organizations understand why they're being targeted and potentially also who is targeting them and what they're being targeted with because uh, if we see the, the the overall shift of using uh, legitimate tools compared to uh, traditional malware uh, a lot of the technology that is uh, being uh, put in place in these organizations will not be uh, succeeding in actually preventing the attacks because there won't be any signatures and there won't be any malicious uh, behavior when the, uh, they are being attacked by cyber criminals and, and more sophisticated uh, threat actors.
0: Great. Thank you both for those answers. So, I mean, we've painted a pretty, pretty, pretty dark, a pretty gloomy picture, uh, quite a bit of bad news uh, so far on today's podcast. And, um, In the spirit of being constructive and helping people um, counter the risks and threats that we've discussed um, on this podcast and and that we often discuss elsewhere um, as as FireEye, how can we help uh, organizations to improve their security posture? What can organizations do um, to be able to to really combat these uh, risks and threats that we've talked about today?
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed. You know, this is absolutely fundamental. You know, basically what we've proven through this report is that the offense is ahead of the defense. And, you know, how do we change this, um, uh, you know, these rules, if you will? And, you know, one of the key points to us is that, and at FRI, is that it's not about, you know, how much money you're going to be spending on the problem, but it is how you're going to be spending, if you will, this money, how you're going to orchestrate, if you will, your uh, your your program, and this is the point which I wanted to come to. Um, the fundamental point is to actually build a mature security program, which not only is going to involve, you know, the right tooling, the right technology in order to detect all these threats, which are actually quite complex, as, you know, we seem to, to detect, but also need to be able to respond to those in a very proactive uh, way as well, because you need to be able to understand all the different Points, you know that come with those threats. You know what are the threat actors after? What are they looking for? What are the objectives? What are the motives? What are the tools, techniques, and procedures so you can be better prepared the next time they would come in? And then you know the last is really being able to understand and leverage um, collaboration across the industry by gaining access to threat intelligence that will really give you uh, access to. Um, the same to, to the indicators of compromise or to some information about those threat actors that happen elsewhere, so that you can be much better prepared in terms of being able to defend uh, your organization against those, so it really comes down you know to a combination of technology comes down a combination of uh, processes and having the right people to be able to manage this, and finally uh, also leveraging threat intelligence which really will change if you will uh, the rules whereby with, with all these combination of three elements, uh, the defense gets ahead of the offense because you really know against what, what objectives, and who you're trying to defend uh, your infrastructure against.
2: Yeah, and I, I would add that, that uh, I think for the, the future, from a network-defending perspective, um, one of the challenges that uh, we keep hearing from organizations is that uh, they have a difficulty in finding uh, more talent and, uh, and sometimes there's also restrictions in, in terms of uh, the organizations actually having the funds of hiring more people. So for the future, I think uh, organizations, they, uh, they need to be able to automate uh, whatever they can in terms of, uh, of handling uh, threats, but also handling uh, the, uh, the analysis of potential threats so they can actually focus on the more sophisticated uh, cyber attacks and the, the potentially uh, breaches that are associated with the, these attacks, uh, because the, the reality is that for many organizations, they won't actually get more people. Uh, potentially, they won't be allowed to invest in, in, in more technology, so they will have to figure out a way to automate um, the procedures that they have today, so they can free up time for the, the, the network defenders that they have in place to actually go and hunt in, in, inside the infrastructure for potentially more advanced uh, threat actors.
0: Yeah, great. Thank you so much for, to both of you for, for those thoughts and all of the thoughts on today's podcast. Uh, thank you as well to our listeners for tuning in to today's podcast. We discussed FireEye's latest EMEA Advanced Threat Report. Hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we look forward to seeing you on a future
1: podcast. Thank you.